You're listening to Nick Luck Daily. This edition is brought to you by Fitzdares, by the Racehorse Owners Association, and by Thoroughbred Racing Commentaries Global Rankings. Good evening, hello, thank you for listening. This is episode 61 of the Saturday edition of the Nick Luck Daily Podcast. My name's Charlotte Greenway and it's Friday the 18th of November. In this episode, we'll look ahead to the racing tomorrow from Ascot with input from connections of Constitution Hill and L'Ompresse before looking at the Morgiana Hurdle in Ireland where we'll hear from Rich and Susanna Ritchie's racing manager, Joe Chambers. But first, a recap on the main news stories from this week. And on Monday, a new governance structure for the sport of horse racing was announced. And here's Lydia Hislop explaining what the industry has come up with. Uh, Well, they have created three new committees and disbanded two other ones. And in particular, the members committee was seen in particular as a hindrance to progress due to um, the the power of veto so things could die around the table of the members committee before they were given um, sufficient oxygen the executive committee is also out and replacing them is a commercial committee an integrity advisory committee and an industry program group and they all feed directly into the BHA board and the BHA board um, is being positioned by some as uh, the ultimate dis- becoming the ultimate decision making body i was of the view that it always was that but anyway we can go into that later um and so what are all these um, committees going to be doing the commit the commercial committee will oversee the work of the existing fixtures and funding group the racing group and the gambling strategy group and develop areas of the industry strategy with a commercial focus including the racing product promotion of the sport and initiatives regarding key stakeholders such as owners and betters uh, the integrity advisory committee will provide strategic advice to the executive, make recommendations to the board on matters relating to the integrity of the sport. It will meet four times a year and the industry programme will contribute to strategy relating to horse welfare, industry people, equality, diversity and inclusion, corporate social responsibility, the sports social licence and importantly, and good to see written down, environmental sustainability and they will meet at least six times a year. The overriding message was that this will streamline the decision-making process and remove the power of veto and they believe that this means that uh, decisions uh, that might cause uh, a certain party or parties to feel that they are being hard done by that they are just essentially going to have to suck it up if as a whole um, the BHA board decide as a result of recommendations from those committees that it would be good for the sport as a whole. Reports from France this week suggest a two-month suspension may not be all Christophe Soumian will incur for elbowing Rossa Ryan out of the saddle at Saint-Cloud back in October, as Lydia, also on Tuesday, explained. He got a two-month suspension from France Gallo, um, and he he'd apologised immediately for elbowing Rossa Ryan out of the saddle, um, and he said that his behaviour had been totally unacceptable, and he lost his job as retained rider to the Aga Khan. But now the Ministry of Interior in France have intervened on behalf of uh, France's gaming police, which are called, wonderfully, police de jeu. 
Um, and now there is a possibility uh, it was uh, that, that he would have to serve a longer suspension. And it has also been raised um, that he might even have to reapply for his license, although a report in Le Parisien today um, seems to uh, downplay that latter suggestion. Uh, the police have laid out their concerns in a letter um, which was sent from the Ministry to France Gallo. That letter's been passed on to Christophe Soumion. He's got until the 18th of November to respond. Um, and the quotes from the letter suggest, uh, describe it as deliberately dangerous behaviour. There is a serious risk of disturbing public order in the horse racing world. It's a very bad image for French horse racing being relayed worldwide. Very shocking images and behaviour incompatible with the maintenance of a licence. The police de jure have supervisory powers and have done since 1997 in the area of public order so that they can ask for a suspension to be revisited if an incident or a person has threatened the image of racing in a way that supersedes the sporting offence committed. So it seems like a quite a remarkable turn yeah. of events, but with the structure of France, um, that, that is uh, of French racing, that is the reason why this has happened. Also this week, whispers have spread about what the new gambling act in Ireland and a possible intended ban on gambling advertising during daylight hours might mean. And so Jane Mangan provided an update on the situation when speaking to Nick on Thursday. We don't actually know what this new bill entails. On Tuesday, the Taoiseach Nihal Martin was at a press conference and he announced the gambling regulation bill will set out a framework uh, of legisl- and legislative basis for the establishment of a new independent statutory body uh, and for the robust regulatory and licensing regime for the gambling sector. So what does that mean in English? The formation of the gambling regulatory authority basically being established uh, at some stage in 2023. They didn't say when. And it's to regulate, it will be focused on public safety, it will cover gambling online and in person with the powers to regulate advertising, gaming, websites and apps. Uh, The Taoiseach Neil Martin said this is long awaited and much needed bill that takes responsible approach to balancing the freedom to gamble with the safeguards to protect people from falling prey to addiction. This bill provides a clearer framework for operators and consumers. So The bill itself is to be released at the end of this week or early next week. And because there's no detail actually after being released bar the announcement that there will be a new regulator, the whispers have gone into overdrive. A lot of people suggesting that incentives such as free bets will be banned. Uh, A lot of people, we, we know that the ban, there will be a ban on betting on television between 5 a.m. Uh, 5.30 a.m. and 9 p.m. There's a possibility that we'll have to opt in as a requirement for for gambling advertising on social media. And there's so many more whispers going around. A bit of news from the Bloodstock world, where this week the money was flowing at Goffs in County Kildare during their November full sale. It's been a great week for Judmont's Kingman as he sired the top three lots, the top lot being a cult out of Dane Street, the dam of Group 1 winner Skitter Scatter and promising two-year-old this year Victory Dance. Bred and sold by Early Stud, the cult was knocked down to Philip Stauffenberg and here's what Philip had to say about why he went to €550,000 to secure him. <laughs> yeah, um, you know, first of all, as it matters to me, is the physical and this uh, foal 
um, was a very, very good mover, especially for a king man. He, um, he, he is a horse who is, um, in my opinion, a big improver as a physical. And, um, and the page, if you take the page, um, he has a stallion's pedigree. And so whatever the, the uh, situation will be next year, there should normally be um, um, yeah, pretty good demand for horse like that, whether you are uh, um, trying to buy a, <coughs> a top-class racehorse or um, a future stallion prospect. That's what he is. So I thought um, I, can, I can go a little bit higher than I usually go because um, there will be only very few pages like him. And um, and I think the physical, how I can visualize how he will look next year, uh, will match that page. Yeah, so this was <laughs> yeah, why, why I was a bit, little bit more bullish than I maybe should have been, yeah. And the performance of the week, so far anyway, has to go to John Bon, who won with ease whilst tackling fences for the first time at Warwick on Wednesday. And here's what his jockey Aidan Coleman made of the performance. It was very, um, it was very pleasing as always. Uh, he's a jockey's dream to ride. I've always said that. He he jumps out, he gets on with his business, and, and um, invariably he wins by by one defeat to you know. You know the, you know the looks like the all conquering Constitution Hill. So yeah, no, very very happy. Thank uh, uh, you. Suppose it was it was a performance that was somewhat expected, but at the same time, you know, when you're looking at the betting, you look at Paul Nichols' far, Monreal's ability, and the ratings. Um, um, you know, he was only a few pounds clear, John Bond. So uh, you know, all in all, it was a very good performance, wasn't it? This was the only time I kind of took the reins a bit. Was the first ditch? He was kind of. Um, he was a bit long going down to it, and, and um, I went forward on him. Uh, he didn't let me down. He was very good. And then he went, if you look, he went down to the next, and he absolutely show jumped it. So that goes to show the brain he's got. And um, yeah, as I've always said with this horse, and, and I used to get a bit annoyed last year when people used to kind of say this and that about him. He, he is ultimately a jockey's dream. And um, I went racing yesterday, you know, with a lot of excitement and knowing that. Um, you know, there was a lot of pressure and all that, but at the same time, at my age, I went there to enjoy it, and I knew from my school, from schooling him and, and, and riding him last year that, you know, that, you know, Barry, you know, you know, something unforeseen, I, I was going to have a, a very nice time on him. Well, that leads nicely into this weekend's racing, where all eyes will be on John Bond's conqueror and superstar novice of last year, Constitution Hill. He's stepping up into open company for the first time, as well as stepping up in trip to two mile three in the Coral Hurdle at Ascot. He'll face four rivals, including Brewing Up a Storm and Goshen. And here's how his owner, Michael Buckley, is feeling going into tomorrow. Here we go, into open company. Um, We'll see how he stacks up, I guess. Um, I'm excited about Saturday. I think, uh, I'm pleased the rain's come, he can have a run. And um, hopefully he'll win. I mean, why wouldn't I want him to win? And hopefully he'll the, the dream will carry on. But I don't find it sort of stressful in the way that Cheltenham was. In that, you know, Cheltenham was the acid test. I mean, here's a, somebody, a horse that looks like a great novice, or, or certainly a very good novice, but how does he stack up against the other ones and the ones that come from Ireland and one thing and another? Um and I think that 
that um, we probably, I mean, I thought he might well beat John Bond on temperament as much as anything on the day, but winning's one thing, but doing what he did is something else. So, um, well, it'll be fun to see how he, that translates into a, a man's world rather than a young man's world, as it were. And did you enjoy watching John? Well, I realise it's a different discipline, but he flashed all his talent at Warwick. Was there a bit of you thinking, oh my God, we absolutely spanked him at Cheltenham? <laughs> well, um, it's a different discipline mm. and entirely and so forth, but Nicky, blessed him, said, well, he was the best around, apart from one other horse who's tucked up in seven barrows. So you can't help but be happy that that piece of form seems to have been translated into a new year uh, or a new season I should say and obviously John Bonds is built like a chaser I mean he's a different sort of mould to look at um, or he certainly was last April when I last saw him um, to the way Constitution Hill looked at that time of his life though he has grown a bit and toughened up a bit since um, but yeah, I mean, he won very impressively and pretty easily. And um, I see that Paul Nichols says he's going to take him on again in the next race. Um, and he says, but he needs to beat him. But I don't want to be rude to Paul, but I don't see how that comes about on what I saw yesterday on my television anyway. But yeah, it's nice to see him do well. I mean, first of all, for all the connections and for Nicky, who's had a quiet time because of the ground and his horses haven't been that forward because he couldn't work them at home. Um, so I'm thrilled for him. Um, he's now got a solid favourite for Cheltenham, which, as, as Willie seems to have most of them, it's nice for Seven Barrows to you know, have a two-to-one favourite for the Arkle. Um, and actually, it reflects well on Constitution Hill, so... I was thrilled all ways round. Um, you, you're familiar over a few decades now of the the, the Henderson um, treasure trove of, of superlatives. We've, we've had some good ones this week, to be fair, about Constitution Hill. Do you does it does it do you enjoy it? Does it um, does it excite you? Does it make you more nervous? It will. It, <laughs> you've got to remember that I went through last season um, <clears throat> watching Constitution Hill win a couple of races very impressively and Nicky understandably not being prepared to split him with John Bond publicly um, because he had the two, the first and second favourites well for a long time for the Supreme and obviously he didn't want to say anything about Constitution Hill not being worse than John Bond because he didn't want to say something that would might upset me or make me feel less good about the day and the same thing with JP. So he didn't get from Nicky many superlatives last season because he just wanted to, he kept saying they're both very good horses. Um, and I went to some Cheltenham preview night and it was the same there. So uh, he didn't get a lot of the, um, the Henderson uh, chit chat and, and, and these wonderful sort of technicolor images, but he certainly has this week talking about bunches of crocodiles in front of white hurdles i mean i've never heard anything like it (laughs) (laughs) he's certainly got a vivid imagination at moments oh dear but that's that's part of what makes the whole journey the journey isn't it michael yeah i mean he's listen he's a lovely man and 
he wears his heart on his sleeve, which suits me because mine's on there too, or not on his, but on my own. Um, so um, he seemed thrilled with the way he schooled. I mean, he hadn't seen a hurdle since last March at Cheltenham, and he's only schooled once, so I hope that's enough. But he seemed to be happy with what happened, and um, I don't know, it rained a lot again last night. I don't know what the ground at Ascot is now but I think it's pretty soft, I don't know. But he didn't seem to have any problems with soft ground or even heavy ground last year, so hopefully um, that'll be fine and we'll just see what happens. I hope I hope he runs well, I hope he's fit enough and I hope he gets round without anything untoward happening. I hope they all do and um, let's hope that um, it goes well and we can march on to Boxing Day at Kempton. The other grade two at Ascot this weekend is the Chanel Farmer Chase over two miles and five furlongs, where Cheltenham Festival scorer Lon Presse will come up against Hitman, who remains unexposed at this trip, St. Calvados, now owned and ridden by David Maxwell, Cool Cody, who was pulled up early on at Cheltenham last weekend after making a bad mistake, and Do Your Job. However, he's probably unlikely to be seen having finished a well-beaten fifth this afternoon. The ground had looked a little bit on the quick side earlier in the week at Ascot, and so come declarations, Nick caught up with Lon Presse's owner Andy Edwards to check whether he was happy to run given the amount of rain that had fallen at the track this week. Yep, yeah, it's all systems go. We declared this morning, yeah, the rain's come just in time. Um, we're very happy with that. Um, he's done enough work. Obviously, it come on a lot for the, for the race. And it's a nice pipe opener for us to start the season with. I mean, you, you say pipe opener. It, it, it's not a it's not a gimme, isn't it? I know you're a, you're a short price favourite, but you look at the horses that are, that are around. They're not they're not mugs you've got to beat. No, I completely agree. And, um, um, you know, it's his first run of the season. It's his first run outside of uh, Novice Company. And there's some very good horses in there. If um, San Calvados is, is back to anything like like his best, it, you know, he's going to make a real race of it for us, as will the others. So, no, it certainly isn't a gimme. And obviously, like I say, it is a pipe opener for us. And it will come on a lot for the race. You look back through that amazing season last year when you won at Exeter, Ascot, Cheltenham, Sandown. And then at the festival again, improving leaps and bounds every time. How do you view him now, Andy, having sort of had a bit more time to reflect on what he achieved last year? Well, obviously it was magnificent um, what he did last year. And to be part of it, like, uh, you know, it's a dream come true for a lot of people, and especially us. Um, I passed in the glory of it throughout the summer I took the trophy all around France with me and, and uh, on tour to show everyone and when I sat I kept saying I, I keep having to pinch myself that it really happened um, but now having sat down and been very calm about it I feel that he's done everything I could have ever hoped for already so everything from now on is a bonus so you don't feel any added added pressure now. You just can you just want to sit back and enjoy the ride. Yeah, enjoy the journey as I have done for the last three years. It's always about the journey with the horse for me. Um, the one thing I said to Benicia 
this year is that I, I don't want any pressure on her or the jockey or the horse. And if I've got one job as an owner, it's to take that pressure away from them um, and so that they can make very relaxed and good decisions um, either during a race or, or training before it. And just talking about his his preferences, I, I I note that last year he never ran on what you would call absolutely bottomless ground. I know I know we'd had that all that rain at Cheltenham the day before he ran, but never was the ground softer than than soft, and it regularly it was good to soft. Do you think we're being a little bit pigeonholy by saying this is a horse that wants loads of rain to run? No, it doesn't want loads of rain um, to run. Good to soft is, is fine for him. Um, he go on good ground. Um, we're, we're wary. We're wary of the, um, the fact that he had a leg as a four-year-old, and so we don't want to be putting, putting him on good ground this early in the season. When it comes to the Gold Cup, the chances are the ground will be good on the Friday, as it tends to be these days, his skill set plays more to cutting the ground than maybe some of the others do. And that gives us a little edge in those races. And Andy, you may have answered your own question there, but is it is it definitive that you see him as a gold cup horse through and through? That is his target. You're not really looking elsewhere in terms of his distance requirements. No, the, the Gold Cup is the target this year. Um, it's like I said, we, you know, if he is the horse that we hope he is and we think he can be, then we've got another three years of the Betfair chases and King George's and other races to go for. But as a second season novice, we want to give him the right pathway um, using little steps, as I've said before in the press. To, to get to the Gold Cup and get in there in the best order we can. That doesn't mean, however, that we will exclude going to the King George. If this rain keeps up, keeps up like this and it's very soft ground, then we would have to consider going. Finally, there's Grade 1 action from Punchestown in Ireland on Sunday in the shape of the Morgiana Hurdle. And at one point this week, it looked as though Willie Mullins might run six. But Vauban, Sir Gerhard, nor Echoes in Rain were declared, so instead he relies on Grade 1 winning novice Stateman, two-time winner of this race, Charger, along with the 2019 victor, Saldier, to take on Gordon Elliott's T. Hoopoo and Noel Mead's Jesse Evans. Charger and Saldier both run in the colours of Susanna Ritchie, and racing manager Joe Chambers gave a brief update on their well-being. We've, we, we've often run two against each other in this race, Saldi and Sharjah in particular. Um, so, you know, running multiple runners would be nothing new for us, I guess. Um, Saldi is going to need it. He's coming back from an injury. Um, and Sharjah is coming back from a long absence. And all roads for him will probably lead to Leopardstown at Christmas, where he's running for the statue in a fifth Matheson, as I like to say. Don't forget the Grade 1 action from the UK this weekend comes from Haydock, where Aplutar returns in the Betfair chase, a race he won last season by 22 lengths. 
They have had a lot of rain up there, though, over the last few days, which won't help Henry de Bromhead's Gold Cup winner, but certainly increases the chances of Protectorat and Bristol de Mai. Top quality horses to enjoy watching over the next couple of days. Thank you once again for listening. Nick will be back with you on Monday morning. Have a lovely weekend. You've been listening to Nick Luck Daily, brought to you in association with Fitzdares, the Racehorse Owners Association and Thoroughbred Racing Commentary. Thank you.